I think that's my one criticism of the film is that um, the action is so big. You forget how small these soldiers truly are. I think it'd be helpful if there was a character that, you know, fought alongside them that was um, just a banana for scale. Uh, that would have been really helpful for me. Like Private Peel reporting for duty and be like, all right, you're a banana, but you know. We have to go back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And this is the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Anything else is just a, a toy. Podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope that mm-hmm. that would make that would make more sense. Uh, we are reviewing the 1998 uh, action thriller comedy? adventure comedy. Yeah. yeah, action adventure comedy. Small soldiers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we are doing this in like because small soldiers is really just a the Venn diagram of what if toys came to life. You know the sweet innocent you know Toy Story premise. And what if they tried to kill us? Like Child's Play, which is also getting a reboot. So we are in a fun, terrifying time for theater goers. Now I remember why we did this movie. (laughs) I get it. So a brief synopsis of Small Soldiers is when a missile technology is used to enhance toy action figures, the toys soon begin to take their battle programming too seriously. So basically imagine if Buzz Lightyear, you know, who believed his, you know, story of his character, uh, except it's just a gritty military gang. Yeah, because these soldiers don't really care that they're toys. They they just have a mission to execute. Right. Yeah. And um and the movie uh stars just a surprising amount of celebrities. We have David Cross making his David crossover from uh, Men in Black. Uh also unbeknownst to us, another MIB agent makes their way into this movie. Uh the voice of uh Chip uh, Major Chip Hazard was Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, that was shocking. I was like, wow, wow, we could not have picked this a better a better movie. This is so just so you know, if you're ever playing uh, you know, six degrees, small soldiers oh, and yeah. men in black. I mean, not just David there. There's, crossover. There's so many crossovers. I mean, there's Kirsten Dunst, Dennis mm-hmm. Leary, Phil Hartman, which this was actually his final film. Uh, And they do uh, a post-credit tribute to him with one of the bloopers, which is really touching. Um, But you also got uh, a crossover with SNL with Sherry O'Terry, Jay Moore, uh, Dick Miller's in this, the doctor from Star Trek Voyager, (laughs) and Kevin Dunn. Yeah, Kevin Dunn. I was trying to figure out how I knew him, but he is Ron Witwicky in Transformers. And I I know him better as Ben from Veep. Uh, Yeah. And I think he is one of the most underrated comedic actors uh, working right now. He's amazing. He is fantastic. We also have um, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Christina Ricci lending their voices as uh, different Gwendy dolls Mm -hmm. who I don't think anyone would have ever guessed. Um, And then for a brief stint of Burger King commercials and the actual voices for the live action uh, Small Soldier Toys... Uh, Jim Cummings. Uh, Jim Cummings, I also known as Darkwing Duck, 
uh, Winnie the Pooh, um, Ka from The Jungle Book, just so many voices, almost too many to count. Um, but he was actually the uh, voice of Chip, Major Chip Hazard. I have to say his full name. I can't just say Chip. It's Major Chip Hazard. And, uh, and so he provided the voice. Now, this movie was originally made targeting teens and adults. Um, not meant to be a kid's movie, but then, you know, after the success of Toy Story, people are like, wait a second, we can just make a, a movie about toys and then just sell those toys? Yeah. We're going to do that. And so uh, that is what Joe Dante, the original uh, director of the film, uh, was told. He was just like, hey, you, you know that Gremlins thing you had made? Make that, but with uh, with with." toys and so uh but originally he was told it was just supposed to be like a dark edgier film uh and once the toy part came in they really tried to make it a pg-13 rating which i think they were apparently going for an r rating uh and so they they could only really cut a lot of like action and explosions but that accounts for the nightmare fuel of all the gwindy dolls melted faces uh and um you know all the 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 almost toy murders yeah it's uh it's pretty terrifying that's actually what i remember very vividly about this movie was the violence it just Mm -hmm. is a violent movie all the way through and they succeeded Mm -hmm. they really did now uh the film received like mixed reviews uh but with a budget of 40 million dollars it ended up making 71 million dollars just in the box office uh and i don't have the toy merchandise uh information on me but I have to assume that they sold a small amount of small soldiers. And a lot of them were to me, Ricky. Oh, no way! Yeah, I had the toys. In fact, uh, my strongest memory with this movie, aside from the garbage disposal, which I think about every time I wash dishes now, (laughs) my strongest connection to this movie is one of the toys that they sold. It was a miniature action set, like uh, the Polly Pocket sets or the Mighty Max sets that they used to have, um, where it's like a whole level kind of in a portable set. I had one of those for this, except this one changed when you flipped it. So you'd start out like in the workshop, you flip it over and it kind of collapses down on itself to become, I think, the kitchen of the house. It was the coolest thing I had ever seen in my young life, it what? was unbelievable. I still have not seen something that attempts to do the kind of transformation that this did. Because I loved that with like Lego sets that it would close and then open up. This was kind of like that, except you flip the entire thing upside down. And they had like a dumb waiter in it too, to where you can put <laughs> one of the characters in there, flip it open, and then they would like come out the in the other set. So they were like moving through the house. It was amazing. I used to combine it with my Ninja Turtle miniature sewer set, and I would just, you know, rule as a benevolent dictator of these tiny kingdoms. (laughs) Uh, It didn't get any better than that. But to me, that was the small soldier's experience, was this this innovative miniature set. Wow. I didn't know that those Polly Pockets had, like, tackle box technology where you have different layers inside that's amazing yeah it was pretty great 
Wow. No, I wish I wish I, I got that. No, I my only real connection to small soldiers was uh, being terrified of just the trailer. Just the trailer alone was like, no, I'm, I'm good. Uh, so I think this is actually my first time watching the movie in its entirety. I've watched a couple of clips online, um, but I, I never really watched the whole movie. My biggest connection to it, though, was the Burger King commercial. Um, and uh, I actually found this out. So. Um, there is a long history of, you know, people making toys before they see the movie. I think we talked about it when we reviewed Batman Returns. There was a big kind of like uproar after they started making the Batman uh, McDonald's toys. And then the movie came out and it was terrifying and very much not for kids. Well, and even uh, recently, that was an issue for Endgame that some of the toys were spoilers for plot points oh, in Endgame. Yeah. So toys and films have always had a bizarre relationship. Yeah, like they reveal that Bruce Willis was... Oh, <laughs> sorry. Spoiler for Endgame. Dead at the end of the movie. Uh, Bruce yeah, Willis was yeah. Thanos. <laughs> it's true, he yep. was. Little did we know. Uh, but So the same thing happened with Burger King. Burger King released uh, Small Soldiers toys with a toy tie-in. And uh, they went as far to put this on the toys because it actually wasn't widely distributed. Uh, so certain locations had allowed parents to trade in their toys for a Mr. Potato Head toy instead. Mm. Uh, but the Small Soldier toys were packaged with this message while toys are suitable for children of all ages, the movie Small Soldiers may contain material that is inappropriate for younger children. Oh, yeah. I got the same thing with my Pulp Fiction Happy Meal. <laughs> Comes with a little plastic syringe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. great. Uh, I think my my sandwich is bitten into. No, that's the <laughs> toy. It's like, I don't, I don't think so. No, I don't get it. That's actually what was in the briefcase was just a bunch of fries. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> the real MacGuffin was the Golden Arches. Uh, that's why it's McGuffin. Oh, man, I'm loving it. <laughs> oh, get a McMuffin with your McGuffin. Sponsored by Burger King. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, like I said, this was my first time watching this movie, so I, I wasn't really able to appreciate it. Uh, I think the same way that I'm sure you did, Grayson. Um, uh, from mm. what I understand, uh, I feel like you resonated very well with that character, just being a a, 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 a small... kid that talks to his toys. Yeah, a kid. <laughs> no, I really locked into that. <laughs> uh, but not not only that, but just like uh, I think my favorite thing was just like their parents like just trusted their son to run this toy shop, and I, I feel <laughs> like that would be you. As a kid, just like, all right, son, just run this business for us. We'll we'll be back. Thanks. Yeah. No, the, this kid does have the, the feel of like the kid from Never Ending Story, but with more responsibility. Yes. Um, and not being afraid of the high dive. Uh, yeah. He it, what I appreciate about the main character in this uh, about Alan is that he really does just jump into the action. Uh, there's really not a whole lot of the, oh, I don't know, I can't do it. It's more like, no, I'm going to be like 
as cool as I am around Kirsten Dunst and I'm going to run this business and I'm going to make a deal with Dick Miller out the back of his truck and like he moves stuff forward. So I, I do really appreciate that part of the story. Um, I'd seen this movie exactly one time uh, before rewatching it for this. And I remember when we watched it, my mom was kind of like looking at me out of the side of her eye the entire time because I was I was 10 when I saw this yeah and she just kind of like mm, is this appropriate <laughs> I said I don't mm, I don't know um but yeah we watched it and that, that's why my connection is more so to the toys and the merchandise that came from this rather than the movie itself because I feel like I remembered actually very little of the film there were like flashes that would come back as I was watching it I was like, oh, yeah, I remember, like, the bike scene, and I remember the disposal, and I remember a variety of the more violent parts of the movie, just because I had never seen anything like that on film before. Um, but, yeah, this this movie does exist in a very specific time, and it's a beautiful time. It's a nostalgic time where animatronics and CGI were really crossing yes. over in an exciting way because they – they alter back and forth. They switch between what's an animatronic and a puppet in this and what is like, digitally done. Right. And, whereas now, I'm sure the whole thing would just be CGI. Right. Um, so well, yeah, yeah. With, Andy, with Andy Circus being the mocap body double. You play all of them. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I I remember like as a kid seeing the commercial, I'm like, how did they get those toys to do that? Um, but like, I remember when I first watched the Lego movie, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, wow, I can't believe they actually, you know, they got all those Legos and, mm-hmm. uh, Jeffrey, who has been on the podcast before, he's like, no, they didn't. No. I was like, they didn't. He's like, yeah, Legos don't move that way. And that I was like, that's your tell. He's like, yes, I'm very, very close with like the movement capabilities of Lego. Uh, but ever since that, uh, conversation, I was able to start to tell the differences because there are sometimes where the action figures just didn't move in a certain way. Right. And that's the only way I was able to really tell the difference. But as a kid, I'm just like, okay, great. So we're just watching a documentary unfold. Um, and I just thought that that was, uh, that was uh, the biggest difference from when I saw the terrifying commercials as a kid uh, and actually watching the movie because they did a lot, they did an impressive amount of work with the animatronics. In fact, uh, you can actually see if you search um, their screen tests for small soldiers, they actually have a uh, a behind the scenes puppet battle rehearsal hmm. um, on YouTube. That's really, really fascinating because like they use, uh, it's not even just animatronics, it's like actual puppetry. Like they're using like dowels and strings to like move these puppets in such a interesting way. And it was, uh, it's really impressive, this the artistry of that. That is really interesting. Yeah, I I think that was what I was really distracted by in this, was trying to see when it was animatronic and when it was CGI, mm-hmm. and switching back and forth. But at a certain point, I just kind of got lost in the action of it again. So this movie only came out three years after the original Toy Story came out. And uh, it's it's almost like I was watching this movie and I was thinking to myself, it's almost like... Sid saw Toy Story and he said, okay, that's not the way I see it. And he decided to make his own movie from his own perspective. If, if like Sid from Toy Story got 
uh, made his way into Hollywood. He's like, no, you didn't see how I saw these toys. They were like small soldiers. Write that down. <laughs> and uh, and then he just made this movie because it really does. I feel like this movie is just a perfect embodiment of like, oh, yeah, you know, that cooler, edgier kid, Chet. Yeah, he uh, he made a movie. <laughs> And, uh, and and that's why I very much feel like it's just like oh yeah a Toy Story that wholesome fun family thing and this one's just like no like you remember Grayson when it was not cool anymore to like Barney do you remember that mm. yeah yeah that was a hard day yeah right yeah. like I remember like uh, back in the day you we were like oh yeah uh, I hate you you hate me and they're like making parodies of Barney I'm like my friend Barney. Um, I feel like this movie kind of has that spirit of like, yeah, toys are dumb. We're kids and we're above toys kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it just reminded it just watching this movie. I just was set back to that, that, that preteen era of myself where you're just starting to understand that like, Oh, people have different opinions about toys. Like with Kirsten Dunst saying, I've always hated these things. I'm like, why you own so many of them. You have them prominently displayed in your bedroom. But there is definitely uh, that toys serve as kind of a metaphorical coming of age barrier that they let go of. And by the end of it, they are, I guess, grown up, more mature, because both of them have to really let go of the toys. There's no lesson of like, no, adults can play too. It's like, no, you get rid of your toys, you grow up, you get a job, you pay taxes, you die. That's the sequel. Yeah, mm-hmm. smaller yeah. soldiers. Smaller soldiers. Smaller soldiers is. I, I thought the whole story behind them, like actually having the programming, was really fun and interesting. Just like, oh yeah, just whatever the storyline you have is, that's that's what it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the Gorgons. Uh, I thought that they were so sweet. Um, and basically, if David Cross's character made them today, he would have a very successful uh, MMO platform. Uh, I think the Gorgons fit right into just any fantasy uh, game that you would play online right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But you know what toy was missing, Grayson? Oh, what's that? Sergeant Headcannon! Headcannon, reporting for duty. He looks exactly how you're imagining it. Tall? Uh, (laughs) Very tall. Headcannon is a part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie based on evidence provided by the film. Yeah. Uh, no assembly required on coming oh. up with that. That brings me to a total of two times. <laughs> um, so my biggest piece of headcanon has to do with the casting of Dennis Leary in this mm. movie. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to say that uh, his role in Small Soldiers as Gil Mars um, that sure does sound like a made-up name to me. The Gilmars Girls. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Lorelai Gilmars. <gasps> I love it. Uh, he is actually Lieutenant David Poole from Operation Dumbo Drop. Oh, yeah. Who then went on to become, you know, a military specialist and uh, a weapons specialist specifically because he was a guy who could get you anything, remember? And then uh, you remember all those of you who listened to Operation Double Drop? Oh, yeah. Uh, And so he 
then just became a guy who just started acquiring companies and he acquired that toy company. And then because who else would be able to spin a, a disaster like, oh, yeah, these toys kind of came to life and started destroying this town, paying people off. And then just say, oh, no, this is going to be used for the military. Like, we're just going to tell the military about this and done. Just that's how you fix it. I was like, oh, wow. Like, I did not think that this was going to end that way. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, that's, my, that's my biggest piece of headcanon. My other piece of headcanon is that this is a prequel to Bring It On. Because of the line, he's like, hey, yeah, we have practice. You could do a cheer for me. And I was like, whoa. Oh. See, I, I, I didn't even register that. Oh. Oh, it registered. I was just like, why is she kissing him the right way up? <laughs> he's supposed to be upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Although it is interesting that she is uh, friends with a guy named Alan both in this movie and in Manjunji. Ooh, you're right. Mm-hmm. She certainly has a type. That's how we said pe- it, right? I don't remember. Yep. Manjunji? Yeah. 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 Manjunji. Mm-hmm. Manjunji. Nice. For my headcanon, it largely revolved around the idea that Globotech, while it owns Heartland Toys, Globotech itself is owned by other companies. And... Um, the first one I tried to make work was by and large from the Pixar universe to put this solidly in the Pixar world, uh, mainly because Joe early on, the delivery guy says pretty soon everything in the world is going to be owned by one big corporation. Then it's goodbye microbreweries. And I was like, oh, Wally, I mean, uh, up and like all Disney. of those used by Disney, <laughs> you know, Pixar stuff. Um, and by and large is the corporation in all the Pixar films that expands basically from being a battery in Toy Story to destroying the world in Wally. Right. Um, so I could see this being part of that uh, and explaining why the toys are alive um but that was about the end of of that that line of thinking then i thought what if what if this went back further than we realized what if it went way back to world war ii oh and you had the howling commandos who after captain america went into the ice they had a different leader a leader named colonel chester phillips And they went on on their adventures for a long time uh, until they started getting older. But then that was around the time that Hank Pym was starting to develop the Pym Particle. Now, he experimented with the Howling Commandos and Colonel Phillips. uh, But the Pym Particle, because of its quantum energy, kept them younger. They went on a lot of adventures, too, as these smaller soldiers. That the original Uh small soldiers were actual live Ant-Man type crew members that were working together. Now, when they passed away, they uh, didn't want to start over with this whole new batch. Um, It just had its problems before, but they thought, what if if we made them non-human? What if we made them robotics? So Howard Stark took this as part of Stark Industries, uh, had the inspiration from Hank Pym and all that and said, you know what? I'm going to create a non-human alternative for this small soldier initiative 
Um, but I want to pay tribute to an old colleague and the leader of the original Small Soldiers, Colonel Chester, or Chip Phillips. Um, Wait, and is that what Chip is short for? Uh, Chip, Charles, Chester. In this headcanon, Chip is short for Chester. <laughs> okay. Because Tommy Lee Jones is my only linchpin. Um, and this was advanced through the AI that would later be privatized by Tony uh, to become Jarvis and ultimately Ultron. So what we're seeing is the combination of the Ant-Man story with the Iron Man story with the Captain America story to create the small soldiers. And if that isn't enough to convince you, I point to the military lineup scene when they all burst out of the boxes and he's giving the speech. The music that plays underneath that scene is a military-inspired rendition of The Ants Go Marching Two by Two. They are the ant men. Wow. Yeah, the clues are always in the soundtrack. Look at that. So that is my headcanon. I had to I had to bring it in. When in doubt, just bring it into the Marvel universe. Wow, that's great. Yeah, you know what I thought you were going to say? Hmm. Cyberdyne. I just thought you were going to oh, say Cyberdyne. Yeah. That's- there are definitely hints of that in there. And they originally wanted Schwarzenegger to do one of the voices. They wanted to be Chip. Yeah. So uh, that, that yeah. made sense. Because all the characters were inspired by uh, the team of uh, six people or the, the whole six-member crew from Predator. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so they wanted to get them. And yeah. And, well, and when uh, Chip gets burnt, he kind of has a Terminator vibe with, with his eyes. And yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That's my head cannon. All right. Now we're going to talk about recasts and remakes. Recast. Remake. If this movie required some assembly, um, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Sorry, that was confusing. If this movie were to be made today with some assembly required, who would you cast and what would the storyline be? My headcanon for... Uh, recast my headcanon, What did I say? <laughs> my headcanon for my recast of remake. Just double down. Uh, so for my recast of remake, I would... I think I would actually keep a lot of the voice casting the same, mm-hmm. uh, but I would love to um, just have the entire movie just be, it's called Small Soldiers, and you don't know why per se, um, because, but, because it just has an all-star set of cast. I, I, I'd basically make it that movie Live, Die, Repeat. Oh. Um but with the Gorgons, and we basically feel like, oh, so they just made this into like a live action thing. Uh, so it's the Gorgons versus the uh, Commando Elite. Uh, and then at the very end, it's just two kids just playing with the toys mm. uh, and, and pull a pull a Saint Elsewhere uh, and say the whole thing was just in the imagination of a child. Yeah. Uh, Kind of like what they did at the very beginning of the heartbreaking movie Toy Story Three, where you just see this like, like everything looks like, oh wow, these toys are actually doing this thing, but it's all just the imagination of uh, preteen Andy. Yeah, or the end of every episode of Barney. <laughs> when you're like, wait a minute, was he really? Well, I just I recently watched an episode of Barney with my niece and nephew, and I just wasn't paying attention to the open. Uh, and then at the end, when he like turns into a toy again, I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. 
But how? He like carried stuff. Uh, see, they they tell you after the credits. You have to stay. They just show you <laughs> just a just a stuffed <laughs> dinosaur just carrying a cinder block, yeah. just floating in the air. Now, after the credits, you just see like. Uh, it's some sediment and then they blow the dust away and it's like a yellow dinosaur outline and you're like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, yeah, no, that's a reference. <laughs> yep, yep, uh, yep. <laughs> just, a, just a sneaker in the sand. No, 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 you're, you're going to see. Uh, yeah, so I I mean, as far as the, the voice cast, I honestly, if, if I were to do my live action version of it, I would just cast the entire, spare no expense, the entire cast of Expendables 3. Oh, nice. Uh, Stallone, Statham, Harrison Ford, Schwarzenegger, uh, Snipes, Dolph Lundgren, Terry Crews, uh, Kelsey, Gra- Kelsey Grammers and Expendables 3? Wow. <laughs> um, Antonio Banderas, just like, just get everyone together yeah. um, and just do it. Or maybe even make it more like a Night at the Museum where it's just like people and those are the action figures. Like, wow, these toys are so real. And they just are uh, people people. Yeah. No, I like that. I think that's great. Um, for my recasting uh, for Major Chip Hazard, I had J.K. Simmons. Of course. Um, just, I love him. Love me some J.K. Uh, and- let me ask you, uh, were you late or early? Answer me, soldier! <laughs> they could be great. Uh, well, and then for the other soldiers, um, so we talked about how they wanted to get the, the Predator cast, but um, they ended up going with the cast of the Dirty Dozen to play the rest of the soldiers. So I like that kind of blanket casting, like like you said, with Expendables 3. Um, I had Expendables as well. If I can't get the Expendables, uh, I'm going to make the soldiers a little uh, chiller, I guess, and have them voiced by the cast of Ocean's Eleven. There you go. Yeah, George Clooney. I yeah, think yeah. he'd make a great chip. Mm-hmm. They're more like uh, you know spies, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but then for the Gorgons, for Archer, I had Oscar Isaac. Um, just because he's really great at playing characters that learn about the world through channel surfing. Um, and I was just so grateful to have another weapons learning Gorgon! Now we got a third one. As soon as the Gorgons were going through the computer, that's all I was screaming. Was like, Weapons! Learning! Yeah, no, the second he started talking, I went, okay, Oscar Isaac. Um, and then for the, uh, the rest of the Gorgons, in the actual movie, they were the cast of Spinal Tap. Uh, Christopher Guest and his whole crew for like Best in Show and all them. But it was the Spinal Tap guys. Um, For my recast, I would have the Silicon Valley guys. Um, I just think they would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's mainly what I have. I don't think I would change the story that much. Um, I love your twist of – I think that would be a great way to to do the reveal. That would be a really interesting Shyamalan reveal of they were toys the whole time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's how I would roll with it. All right, now we're going to go to our final segment where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Small Soldiers? I'd recommend Small Soldiers because it tonally, it's a very interesting departure from what you would expect. It's not as playful as Toy Story, but it's not a horror film like Chucky. 
and I can't really, other than Jingle All the Way, which really is human focused, the toys don't really, they don't come alive and Jingle All the Way. It's an, it's an action toy film. Um, and it makes sense to me that action figures would have an action film. Nice. Um, so I, I think it hits a really interesting like sweet spot in this genre. Um, it's unique. They, without going, I feel like they didn't overdo it with the logic of the world, you know, of saying like, this is how it works. Um, but it was just enough to be like, okay, this is what would happen possibly if you put military grade uh, technology in a toy. Science aside, whatever, just the premise of military tech in a toy is very cleanly executed. And uh, they play that out. And of course, it has a socio-political aspect of it, of war and peace and the, the different sides and all that. Um, but ultimately, it's just a really fun coming-of-age story um, with Alan having to take responsibility and move on. And uh, the, toy, the toy scenes are just really fun. Some of the CGI doesn't hold up uh, with the standards of today. That's fine. It was 1998. We didn't even have the Matrix yet. So, you know, yeah, yeah there's anything before Matrix gets a pass. Yeah. Um, and it's just uh, a bizarre film in, <laughs> in all the best ways. I think that's the best word I can put on this. I recommend this movie because it will be a uniquely bizarre experience for you. Yeah, honestly, I would recommend Toy Soldiers because um, it it does take that premise of like, oh, what, what if toys were alive? Like, I think it's just it's, if you watch Toy Story and you're like, yeah, but like, I want more of Buzz's storyline. Like, what kind of struggles are, is he experiencing? Uh, that's basically what they expanded on. It's just like, okay, but what if every toy in... Uh, Toy Story believed what their core story was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of explored that in a very fun way um, with it also being violent-ish. Uh, so I think I'd recommend uh, Small Soldiers. Uh, a, if you're too afraid to watch Child's Play, um, it's a good middle ground. Yeah. Uh, but also, Small Soldiers is a movie that you you really just have to see I mean, that's what their packaging says, because anything else is just a short story, I guess. I guess that's not what's less than the film. Even Uh, you will believe that a toy can soldier. (laughs) Gorgon in 60 seconds. There it is. Mm. There it is. They really were small soldiers. (laughs) And that is our review of the 1998 uh, action comedy, Small Soldiers. Let us know what you remember about Small Soldiers on our social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean the Gorgon to us if you could uh, leave us a rating and review uh, on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Uh, On a scale of one to five Small Soldiers. How would you rate this podcast as a whole? One being like, okay, cool, but like you want to have the whole set. And three, I don't know why you'd pick the middle, but five is, you know, you have the whole set of stars. Yeah. Uh, and 
share this podcast with a friend if you think you have someone who at least owns more than three VHSs, like currently, like yeah. actively today. Uh, share the podcast with them because we we would love to share uh, the flashback flicks love with more people. They're pretty like yeah, I, I think I think they might like it. You're right. If they if they own uh, VHSs in their life currently. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, that's probably our demographic. Oh, I thought of another scale we could use on a scale of one to five corn on the cob holders. Um, yeah. yeah, because just if you have one corn on the cob, you can't eat corn on the cob with one of those things. No. And if you have five, mission accomplished. That's some straight shooting with yeah, uh, really corn is. on the cob. Yeah. The aiming on that is just impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a real blast from the past to see corn on the cob holders because, um, <laughs> It's probably been 20 years since I used those things. <laughs> and be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. You know, Ricky, I am so excited for this movie yesterday coming out. Um, the you know the one about the guy who's the only one that remembers that the Beatles are here. I'm I'm familiar with that. Yeah, and I thought, man, yesterday, what a great title! I can do you two better though. Okay, we're gonna skip today and go straight to the day after tomorrow. Oh yeah, the Yoko Ono biopic. <laughs> you got it. Okay. We're reviewing the 2004 Jake Gyllenhaal action <laughs> classic, the day after tomorrow which is like a Sunday.